My ears are trash right now. Where did you get that shirt? Me? Yeah. No, it's like it's mine. I don't know. No, no. I'm just asking where you got it. I don't know. It's probably a hot topic. So you don't know where you got the shirt is what you're saying. I'm saying it's been too long since I remember where I got the shirt. Mm-hmm. Are you are you saying if this is your shirt or not? Yeah. Look, I'm not afraid to tell you if this is your shirt or not. I have one of your shirts in my drawers. Which one? Uh, like the old one from like high school. It was a uh, it was a uh, brown with a pirate skull on it, and uh, I don't remember what it said on it, but okay. I don't know. I've been looking for a few of my shirts that I had in <laughs> high school. That I'm like, whatever happened to those shirts? <laughs> I don't think this is yours. I'm pretty sure I got this off Hot Topic. Uh, that's where I got mine. So. <laughs> I don't know. This is the Always More Podcast. Hello and hello. It's March 31st and welcome to the Always More Podcast where we believe there is always more room at the table for honest questions, meaningful conversations, and deeper understanding. Today on the pod, we are talking about our reviews and recommendations of the week. Things in the news you probably didn't hear about. Goats taking over towns, millennial fatherhood, shower thoughts with Chris, listener questions, and so much more. But first, I want to introduce my best friend in the whole entire world, Christopher Thomas Ford. How are you doing, my brother? As per usual, I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. Chris, it's been many moons since you've been in my bedroom, but today, you're back in. You know, it's actually only been a few moons. Um, I don't know if you knew I was in your bedroom, but <laughs> definitely been here recently. I thought the room felt weird. <laughs> no, this is where I put my daughter to take naps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we're hanging out. <laughs> I went really weird there. I did not have to. <laughs> yeah, dude. Don't make it awkward. Don't. Okay, hold on. But what's the best quote that you have ever said to me? It's only awkward if you make it awkward. It's only awkward if you make it awkward. That's absolutely true. Yes, yes. Well, hey, guys. Welcome in. Chris, I'm glad you're with me, as always. Uh, it's a it's a week, man. I, I am tired. Yeah? It, it is, like, just being completely honest and brutal on this podcast, I got rings in my ear and trying to uh, just transition out of, uh, if you're listening to this, in case you didn't know, uh, I'm transitioning jobs right now, and so, you know, I'm okay, I'm fine, it's just, it's just, it's just been a week, you know? I understand that on the opposite end, like, I'm really excited about yeah. all of the things that are happening this week, um, it has been a week, but you're transitioning to a job that I appreciate. Yeah, I'm working under you. I'm, exactly. You're gonna be my boss. Exactly. How cool is that? <laughs> it's amazing. I'm I'm genuinely 100 percent excited about that. You better be. I am. I'm gonna work you like a dog. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's gonna be great. Right. We finally get to work together again. It, it's gonna be a blasty blast. I'm, it is. I'm stu- super stoked about it. All right. Well, hey. Uh, today we're gonna start off in a segment that we love, love, love to call amateur reviews. We don't actually love it, but that's what came out of my mouth. Nobody has given us a better name yet. I take that back. Uh, someone sent me a recommendation. Let me hold on. Let me find Ooh, it real quick. Let's find this. Uh, Tim Jude. Do you remember Tim Jude? Vaguely, yeah. I think we've only had a couple of conversations. He's a cool guy. He uh, recommended Rec in Review, like R E C dash N dash Review or Recom Review. I don't know. Rec in Review. What does Rec mean? Recommendations and review. Oh, I like shorten it up. Like Rec and Review. It's better than what we got. I mean, Rec and Rev. Rec and oh, that's actually a pretty good one. Rec and Rev. Rec and Rev. Does, does it take too much to have to explain it though? I think so. 
guys, welcome to our conversations about whether what we should include in the podcast while we're in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this stuff happens a lot more than you know. It might get edited. It might not. Who knows? All we'll right, well, let's talk about our reviews of the week. Chris, you go first. All right, so my first one is a show on Netflix. Most of my reviews are. Uh, but this one is actually like the most wholesome show I have ever seen. It's called Samurai Gourmet. Is it an anime? No, it is not. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Okay, so this, it like combines my love for anime with my wife's love for food without, it's it's not like a cooking show though, so it doesn't have the things that I don't like. But it's not anime? And it's not an anime, so it doesn't have the things that she doesn't like. (laughs) She doesn't like animes? No, she doesn't like anime, which is really crazy to me. But, (laughs) so this show is about this Japanese guy that I think he's like 60 something, he's retired, and it just follows every Every day in the life, you know, whatever he's doing throughout the day. Yeah. But it's about the choices that he makes to eat at restaurants or something that his friend made him or stuff Mm. like that. Just following some random average retired (laughs) Japanese man. Right. Yeah. Who in his mind has visions of like, oh, what if I were an old school samurai without a master? And I could just roam from town to town. And anytime he gets into like conflict, he imagines the samurai handling that conflict. Oh, okay. And then he tries to do that the I, same I, way. But I couldn't he's tell if this was fictional or not. I couldn't. No, it's super fictional. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a fictional thing. But <laughs> is, this, is this about a guy who's actually crazy and he just tells you all this stuff, or is this like it actually shows this stuff? <laughs> no, no. It shows all this stuff like happening, like it's acted out by a guy pretending to be oh, okay. a samurai. But um, it's a pretty wholesome show. Like he goes into restaurants, tries the stuff, and sometimes the food's. Great great and he loves it and it brings back good memories yeah. and sometimes the food's not great and he gets upset and he's like well if i were a samurai i would tell mm. this lady off gotcha so he stands up to go tell the lady off and she turns around and looks at him and he's just like oh uh check check please <laughs> it's, it's a super wholesome show i think you would love it it's only one season but it's so great right, and it's I'll, comforting I might, to watch i might put it on my list you i'll should. think about it um if you don't i know a few people that will Okay. And then uh, my second recommendation, my Wreck and Rev, Wreck and Rev for the week would be actually, it has nothing to do with shows or yeah. movies or anything like that. I bought a battle grade lightsaber. About time. From this store called Crimson Dawn. It's a Texas-based lightsaber producing company. Oh, I didn't know it was Texas produced. That's yeah. pretty cool. I'm not sure what town. I think it's in Austin, but I'm not positive. Um, but they they make really cool lightsabers. I bought one of the mystery box lightsabers, yeah. which they have different levels, so you can pay like seventy five or like uh, a hundred and ten or whatever the cost is for it. Yeah, and you get different levels of lightsaber. The one I got was actually the exact one that I wanted. It just oh, the dope. force works out. I guess the force. I love the force. Uh, but anyways, so. I got the exact lightsaber I wanted. It came with a really cool sound kit, color-changing blade, yeah. the whole nine yards. And it was only like 75 bucks. It's battle grade, so I can whack kids over yes. the head with it. I mean, humans, I mean, other lightsabers. Right. I can uh, I can take it to <laughs> battles and things like okay, that. Okay, but dude, you turned it on while you came to the house. And like, I don't know if, like, guys, some things, like, you're just super scary in the middle of the night. So if an intruder <laughs> were to ever come into your house, all you have to do is turn that sucker on red Man, that would scare the crap out of me. Even oh, yeah. even though I know that lightsabers aren't real, you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't take that risk. You don't take the chance. No. No. All they'd see is a half naked me running at him <laughs> with a blinking red lightsaber. It's just, I'd get out of the house. <laughs> like even on the off chance that it were real, like obviously that's terrifying. But yeah. knowing that it's not, I would still leave. Yeah. No. Because I look crazy <laughs> running at you with a lightsaber in the middle of the night. 
So that's what I've got for the week. What's yours, Sam? Cool. All right. So one is one that we watched together, and uh, that is Zack Snyder's Justice the League. The Snyder Cut. My goodness. Guys, okay, one of these days we're going to start recording like recommend, or like uh, episode reviews or, um, or movie reviews. Uh, but just to kind of keep this short, um, if any of you guys are – comic book fans like if you guys like the movies um and you you've been wanting to watch something good i cannot recommend this enough like i am still trying to debate whether this is my favorite dc movie or not it still takes a lot of time so make sure you've got the time to do it four hours and two minutes you definitely want to watch it all in one shot because if not you're gonna be lost and right you're gonna get bored and not go back for the second half because the first half it did drag yeah yeah, yeah it took a lot to get there uh, but he wanted, like, no questions unanswered. He wanted everybody right. to have the background and the motivations that they deserved. There was a random song for, like, Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> I think Zack Snyder drags on too long, I think, sometimes. You, you know, I feel like Zach, this is the perfect Zack Snyder film. Let me say it like that. Yeah. Because Zack Snyder, that is who he is. He likes those slow-mo shots. In fact, I don't know if you saw this, but like literally 10% of the whole entire movie was in slow-mo. Is in yeah. slow-mo. I saw that. Um, but I'm telling you right now, if you liked Watchmen, if you liked um, even Man of Steel. Wonder Woman. He didn't do Wonder Woman. No, but if you liked Wonder Woman, this oh, would yeah, be yeah, a yeah. good version. Um, it, it did justice to Wonder Woman as a character. So much more justice. the first one was like... Ugh. I did not no no like I said we can really rabbit trail on this but I just did not like what Joss did to Justice League 2017. I refuse to believe it exists anymore. Uh, I do. I'm about to throw it out. I'm, I'm literally about to throw it out. Like I do not want to watch that anymore. It, it's 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 that night and day compared to Zack Snyder's. And so, anyways, can't recommend it enough. Justice League, uh, Zack Snyder's edition, and it is wonderful. It's on HBO Max. And then last, I watched another movie right before that called Creation, and it's about. Um, it's got Paul Bettany, the guy who plays Vision, and. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like WandaVision, yeah, yeah, yeah. Avengers. Uh, he plays a Charles Darwin. Oh. And it's about his life and like the like the years and months leading up to his uh, his articles about uh, the what what is the official paper called? I'm trying to remember. Um, is it the, oh. the Origin of Man? That's um, yeah. Origin the, of species. Genesis? I I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well. Smarter people out there know. Um, anyways, it's about that, but it's about his life and like what led up to him taking so long to actually write it. And so he was um, super religious, but he also experienced a lot of trauma. Um, his daughter had passed away from, I can't remember what the disease was, but uh, he suffered through heavy depression and uh, hallucinations and a lot of things that delayed him actually writing the paper. And people actually kind of wanted him to go faster. And it was just, it was interesting to see his struggle internally with his depression and also his conflict with writing something that might would cause a fight with science versus religion like it really kind of sparked that and so he knew it would do that and so there was this conflict within him of where he wanted to respect his upbringing and his faith or what it was his faith but also knowing that you know he's just writing on what he's seen and what the evidence that he's right. known and so uh, I thought it was really you know it's a kind of like a slow paced movie but it, it was enlightening to see the humanity behind Charles Darwin because so many times people especially in the the Christian religious realm they like to villainize him yeah they just crap talk him all the time right and they like to you know you know make him to this huge villain who's out against um 
religion or Christianity, and it was just nice to humanize him and to see him. I mean, granted, it's a movie, but it was nice to kind of see that reflection of he was just a human being who right. was going through things, and well, he was just writing what he saw. It may just be a movie, but that's very indicative of who he was, from my my understanding anyway, from yeah. what I've read about him. He's, he was a Christian. like he's mm-hmm. He wasn't an atheist trying to disprove God. He was just writing his scientific method. Yeah. And in my experience, science doesn't fight God. Science proves God. Yeah, I've seen that too. Like anytime I look into the history of something, like even anything, like the 10 plagues in the Bible can be proven with science. Like it started with like the, uh, what was it? The frogs dying. Like the frogs came out. I don't remember where it started. (laughs) It was a long time ago (laughs) since I read it. Uh, But the 10 commandments, like, or sorry, not the Ten Commandments, the Ten Plagues. Yeah, yeah. Each plague started the next one. Right. And you can follow that, like, scientifically. Wasn't that scene in the movie uh, Exodus, right, with Christian Bale and everything? Like, didn't they kind of, like, do, like, a like a twist on that? Like, hey, this is what yeah. it might look like if it was actually, like, this is what it could have looked like realistically. I mean, if, like, one plague led to the other, it was just a domino effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so, and I agree with you, man. I think I think too many times we, 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 we create fights that don't have to exist. I, we yeah, <laughs> we, it's like look, we can all disagree on things, but I think too often times, especially us as Christians, we we like to make this big mountain out of nothing, and it's just like we like yes, Charles Darwin's stuff. You know, you don't have to agree with it, but you know, even if you even if you do agree with it, or even if you don't agree with it, you can still have a healthy dialogue and and conversations about what he thought of. And anyways, I don't know, I don't want to get into this whole rant, but. That'll be for another podcast. Another podcast. Anyways, uh, Creation, I thought it was a good movie. I can't remember what I watched it on. I think it was on Netflix or Amazon, but it was good stuff. I'll check that one out. Yeah. Well, All guys, right, cool. thanks for listening to our Wreck and Rev. Oh, oh no. Wreck and Rev. Wreck and Rev. <laughs> got to get a sound for that, too. Uh, we'll work on it, guys. All right. Uh, next up, Chris, what's next up, man? So next up is one of my favorite things. Yes. It is, uh, I don't know who needed to hear this, but... Expiration dates are suggestions. Yes, that means they might last longer, but it also means they could go bad sooner. Right. Check your food. <laughs> Check your food. I love your wife's, um, uh, like she'll put on her stories every once in a while where she uh, says to wash your produce. Yeah, definitely like, wash your produce. <laughs> like, it just reminds me of that. Nobody but, thinks about it, but produce, no. like as it's growing, is fertilized. Yeah. And you know what they use to fertilize things. <laughs> Why would you not want to wash your food before you ate it? Wash it, guys. Like, check your stuff. Wash your produce. Take care of your body, man. Yeah. Because that stuff is going in. It's got to come out somewhere or another. It's going to do something to your body, good or bad. All right. For mine, I don't know who needed to hear this, but if you're afraid that you will forget an item before you leave home, place it on the floor in front of your door. You'll either pick it up or you'll end up just, you know, stepping into it and smashing your toe. But either way, you won't forget it. I still feel like I would forget. Well. Like, you have to have, like, an advanced <laughs> level of forgetfulness. Tie it to the doorknob? I don't know. No, I would just move it around, <laughs> move it aside and open the what door. What is this and, piece of junk doing here? Yeah, it? right? It's like, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. What is this doing here? <laughs> that That's, like, my whole life, though. Uh, Well, that's it. That's all we have. All Qu- right. That's, I love the quick segments. Those are easy. They're fun. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next one. What did I miss? <laughs> God, I love that. Segment. I love it. Goats are taking over towns. 
Which town? <laughs> Goats are taking over uh, Wales. Okay, so I'm getting all my news from the UK, I've noticed recently. Like, all these segments of what did I miss are all somehow related to the UK. UK, like, you guys need to get your That's crap together. That's because American news is all sad now. <laughs> oh, it's true. Okay, okay. So, in this town in Wales called Landuno, Landuno uh, it's not Spanish, so the double L is definitely not a Y sound, but Landuno, Wales, there are approximately 120 goats that are just randomly roaming the town. So, like, since the beginning of the pandemic, they used to have, like, a lot of goats that just, you know, would be around the town and you know, just, you know, you know countryside. As, as you do. As goats randomly do. But ever since the pandemic hit, they've been, like, been a little bit more courageous and, like, just started venturing into town. And so, as the months have gone by, it used to start be, like, just a, a handful. But now, it's, like, come up to, like, 120 goats at one time just randomly taking over the town, eating everything, getting into everything, pooping everywhere. And it's just everywhere. It's it they're 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 attacking the town. Here's a quote from the article I read this from. In the spring lockdown last year, the goats who live in the goat orm hand uh, uh, headland by the Welsh seaside town, uh, they achieved global notoriety for invading the traffic-free streets. And when Wales went into a lockdown again, they became even more adventurous with one even checking in to a hotel. I'm sorry, what? He checked into did he have, I like I just imagine like this little business suit on a goat with a little tie and he's got a credit card and he's yeah. like, Excuse me, ma'am, room for one for the night. And the lady's just like, Oh yeah, sure, let's have you room one thirteen. First floor down the hall to the left. Like what? So here's here's more to it. Before the pandemic, the 120 strong uh, army of goats were more commonly spotted munching on the grasslands, but they are now regular visitors who seem to enjoy having free roam of the deserted streets, climbing walls, eating plants and hedges, and generally causing mischief. I want to visit this town. I, I just want to see what's going on. Just to check it out? Just to check it out. Maybe you could stay in the same hotel as a goat? That would be amazing. <laughs> I don't even know how to react to this. It's 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 just genuinely wonderful, and also I, I'm also wondering about more of the perspectives of the people who live there. Like, are they actually like tr- truly trashing the place? And, I like, feel like the people that live there, like they're not stopping it, so they have to just be like, "Oh, there's those goats again." <laughs> <laughs> I want to see like you know, like like in some small towns, like they all have like a, like a dog or a cat become the mayor. I want this to happen. <laughs> I want with a goat to become a mayor. The goat the- that checked into the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Technically, he's a resident, <laughs> so I mean that that could be that could be a thing. <laughs> oh man, that's what oh, I got. What, what do you have, Chris? All right, so mine is actually a little more amazing than funny, uh, but okay. So there is a bakery in Japan that uses an AI to determine what pastries people are buying. They basically just walk in, grab the pastry, put it on a tray slide the tray under the camera and it uses an, a, a super advanced AI to determine which pastry they have. Okay. And there's like a hundred different choices. So they can pick up like two pieces of bread that look the same. Right. But the computer knows what it is based on like small differences of how the braiding is and yeah. all that kind of stuff. That AI was designed for that purpose. Right. Just for the bakeries. Yeah. It is now being used to determine cancer cells. What? That same AI, because of the way that AI learns, it's insane. So, Yeah, explain. How? This this AI was based off of a thing called AlexNet, which came out in like 2012. Okay. Um, And it's specifically used, uh, it's actually the same technology that people use for logins when they 
a computer says, hey, pick each picture that has... I hate that. Like a, a stoplight in it. Yeah. Each picture that has a crosswalk. Every time you do that, you help the AI learn how to differentiate between more images. I freaking hate those things, though. I always get it messed You're up. You're helping cancer patients. Oh, well, okay. I guess I don't That gives you a new perspective, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Like, Thanks I, for putting that guilt on me. <laughs> yeah, I would just leave before I read this article. Yeah. Uh, but it was an article in The New Yorker. This guy named Hiyashi Kanbe... Um, if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry. Um, he is the man behind the pastry AI. Yeah. He grew up in a small town in Japan, and he wanted to be a software designer. So he figured out how to take this AlexNet thing and grow it into the more uh, sophisticated pastry AI. Hmm. And then somehow it just started identifying cancer cells. Like, I don't understand. Like- in humans. I, I think... Like you it's put it up a, against them? And it's been like, a minute since I read the article, but if I remember correctly, they decided, hey, this could be useful. And they started showing it pictures of cancer cells. Yeah. And all of a sudden, oh. like it took on a mind of its own and it was like, okay, that is a cancer cell. Uh. So it started identifying cancer cells in humans before the blood count started going uh, up, before doctors it. could find it, before anything. Wow. So... It's being used now in hospitals. That's and it pretty is awesome. so cool. Yeah. Dude, technology. It's both our savior and our doom. It really is. But that's so cool, man. Like, it, it, I mean, AI is scary as all get out, but. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but, like, there's so many, like, if we can, like, really get a hold of it and make sure, you know, Terminator stuff doesn't happen, man, that's really cool. I like that. I think the whole point of AI, though, is that you can't stop it once it starts. It's yeah. intelligent. Yeah. It, look what happened to humans. Like once we started learning and <laughs> developing tools and writing. Look, look what you did, we God. destroyed everything. <laughs> Maybe we are AIs. Oh, man. That's a whole other Matrix episode. That's what that is. I'm always down for Matrix episode. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, hey, that was all for What Did I Miss? Man, I love that sound. That's a good stuff. All right. Well, hey, after uh, a few moments, we're going to come back and talk about a topic that we really like to talk about, and that is fatherhood. So stay right there. We'll be right back. We're back. Hey. Hey, hey. All right, guys. We are in a topic that I'm actually really excited to talk about, and uh, we're going to do this main segment a little bit differently than how we normally do it. Usually, uh, behind the scenes, I uh, I'm, I'm a, I like notes. I like you know note-taking and research and a whole bunch of things, which I still kind of did, but this week specifically, I chose to only include like in the first I swear, only first two minutes or so, it'll be like more 10 minutes, but it'll only be for a little bit where we have like some stats and, and uh, you know, statistics to talk about. Um, but then after that, we're kind of just going to be asking ourselves questions and how we think about fatherhood. That's the main topic for today is millennial fatherhood. And the reason why we kind of went towards the, you know, term millennial fatherhood is because we are millennial we, fathers. <laughs> we are millennial fathers. Um, yeah, I thought too. There's, I'm sure all of you guys who are listening, you're well aware that there's a lot of stigmas when it comes to millennials in general. And so, I kind of wanted to pinpoint some of those, maybe not stigmas, but some of those things that are the reason why we are the way we are. Sure. And some, and, of, and, some of the preconceived ideas that people have, the reasons behind them, and whether or not they're true. Right why we are that way. Yeah. yeah. And, and and just like any generation and just like any stereotype and just like any um any, any stats uh, obviously we are not a stat. We are not 100% a certain way. 
we all have our differences. Chris and I are different human beings who father differently. And we have some principal things that we definitely agree on, but we also have some things that we, I mean, not on purpose. It's not like we like are disagreeing with one another, but just I'm sure as we are living our lives, we just do things a little bit differently just because we're different human beings. Some things are a little more focused for you than they are for me and vice versa. Some things are more focused for me than they are for you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, just how it is. So, Um, All right, so for the first few moments, I want to share with you guys some research that I got from Pew Research. Uh, This is from 2019, so it's only a couple years old, which is really good. Um, And so this is from millennials, mostly fathers of the ages between 23 and 38. So as I go through this, Chris and I, we might stop and kind of talk about a certain stat that we see. I'm like, oh, yeah, we agree with that, or like, hey, I do that, or whatever, or we just might. (laughs) I do that. (laughs) Or we just might pass it up, but I thought you guys might like to hear some of these stats because I do and if you don't then well i don't know i don't know where to go from there (laughs) if you don't you're probably not listening to us anymore right (laughs) um also feel free to shoot in some uh some emails and stuff like whether or not you do some of this stuff or some of the cool stuff that y'all do as far as being parents or some of the stuff that your parents have done for you yeah absolutely yeah all right so let's get started um here's some uh stats to go uh to go through that we that I found interesting. Uh, three in 10 millennial parents live with a spouse and a child compared to 40% of Gen Xers at a comparable age. So right off the bat, um, millennial parents, whether good or bad, it doesn't tell you the good or the bad behind that. And take that as you will. But uh, there are less parents uh, living with their kids than the generation before us. Or generations. Well, yeah, Gen X was before us. Yeah. Um, it's just how it is. It's not a big difference, though. That's only 10%, which, true. I mean, obviously, of course, like 300 million people, that's a big number. But percentage-wise, that's still variable. It, like, it's not a huge difference. Right. And it, that's not also equating that there are also less parents than there used to be. Like, there's just people are not having as many babies as they used to. And so I think that's another step we'll get to in a moment. Um, only 44% of millennials are married. Um so take that as you will. Um, about one in five millennial fathers are single dads. That was actually surprisingly higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I was thinking that seems a little high. Um, I'm trying to think of people who I know. I, I know I know some dads who are divorced, but they're remarried. But I'm trying to think of just genuinely single dads. I can't think of that many off the top of my head. I, I know a couple. But would you consider it a single dad if they don't have custody of the child? That's a good thing. I should have looked into that. I don't know if that's what they're looking at or if they if it's like sole custody or not. Yeah, I guess I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. All right. Um, in 2019, 32 percent of millennial men reported living in a household with their own children. Um. So that's just overall. That's not saying all. Fathers who are parents, that was 32%. That's just all millennial men. Compared with 41% of Gen X men in 2003, 44% of boomer men in 1987, and 66% of silent generation men in 1968. Um, so obviously the the rate of men living with their children overall, and I think that just equates to there's just less fathers than there were. I think there's just less amount of parents that... It's probably a mix of both, I would think. Like... Obviously, there are less parents because millennials aren't having kids at the same rate right. as Gen X or especially boomers and uh, silent generation. Um, but at the same time, we also live in a time where divorce isn't as stigmatized as it yeah. used to be. 
and there are all kinds of different reasons for divorce, whether they're good or bad reasons. You know, it is what it is. That's between you and your spouse, I guess. Um, but it's not as stigmatized as it used to no, be. Like, no, definitely not. A lot of people compare like, oh, well, my grandparents are married for 60 years. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, but didn't your grandpa also beat your grandma? For right, like yeah, there's a lot of variables of that people don't talk about. Yeah. yeah, like that type of stuff. Nobody adds that into these statistics so right you got to wonder about that stuff you know i really just a quick break here i think you know there, there's a show out there called mad men you ever watch mad men yeah um and the show is definitely not for children so for any of you guys that have kids don't watch around or there, any but, of you that are kids right um but it is a it's a show about the mostly the 1960s actually it is all 1960s and it's uh, about advertisers in new york and um, what I really appreciated about the show was it really depicted the true household, I think. I think they did a good job of showing what a household looked like in the 1960s. And yeah. there was just – granted, it's not everyone. It's a TV show. They they make things more dramatic. But it also really – well. it really depicted just how well um, – or not well, I guess – the, the household truly was like, I think in a lot of people's heads, like, Oh wow. Back in the day, marriages lasted longer and everything was more peaceful. And you know, people were happier and it's like maybe for some, but they still had the same problems that we face now. They just dealt with them differently. Right. Abuse, cheating, yeah. uh, just distance because of work, things like that. Yeah. And there was definitely more of a, we've talked about this already in the first episode, but with toxic masculinity, it was just, it was at an all time high, I think around that time because of just the reinforced, the man is the head of the household. You do what he says, even if he beats you. And it's just, anyways, I get onto that tangent just to say that it's definitely a different age, it's different, you know, things to consider, which actually leads me to point or the next point here. 97% of fathers now do diaper changes. Now, here's why this is such a big deal is as opposed to back in 1982 when a study found that more than 40% of dads said they had never changed a diaper. I can't imagine that. Like, I I change my daughter's diaper anytime I'm there. Yeah. Like, that's – Yeah. She loves when I change her diaper. We have a little song. We we (laughs) sing. Uh, But, like, she has a blast. I don't enjoy it, but yeah, you know, right. that's time that I can spend with my daughter. That's something that I can take off my wife's shoulders because yeah. she's watching my kids while I'm at work all day. Right. Um, well, our kids, I say my kids. Yeah. Um, she's the one that's like parenting them as I'm working. So when I right. come home, I try to do everything that I can. I clean up her messes. I play with her. I wipe her butt, yeah. all of that stuff. I can't imagine like bragging about yeah. that. Like, yeah. it's not that 40% of men never change diapers. Like usually. Yeah. They had never once That's changed incredible. their kid's diaper. I can't imagine that. You know, I think, too, it's just, you know, and we'll kind of get more into this a little bit later when we talk about just other stats, but, um, you know, I'm thinking about just the human decency behind all this. And I think this really just comes back to gender roles. Is just there was just this mindset that men don't change diapers. They don't do things with the kids, and we'll kind of get to more stats in a second about this, but um, – Man, it's just, it blows my mind because, I, I mean, granted, Jessica's with the kids most of the time, so she's definitely the one who's changed most diapers. But, I mean, I would say it's at least a good 70-30, you know, whenever I'm here at the house. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more than that. But, like, overall, you know, at least I'm doing, trying to do what I can. And, yeah, it's crazy, crazy stat. Um, okay, here's cool. Here's a good one. I, this, this actually made me really happy to see this. Dads now spend three times as much time with their children as they did two generations ago, and a majority view being a good father as a priority and essential to their identity. I mean, 
that's definitely how I feel. Like, yeah, same here. Yeah. Like being a dad isn't all I am, but it is one of my favorite things to right. be. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime I can spend time with my kids, I'm trying to do that. Yeah. Like even if I have to go somewhere, I want to take my kids with me if it's somewhere that they can go. Yeah. We went to Lowe's today actually to get some stones for like the edging of my wife's garden. Mm-hmm. And I took the baby, threw her in the stroller, pushed her around Lowe's, had a good old time. Yeah. She loves seeing the stuff at Lowe's as often as I go. She never gets bored being there. <laughs> yeah. Obviously she wants snacks and she starts crying sometimes if she's tired, but yeah. We have a blast hanging out together. Right. Just running up and down the aisles. She points at stuff. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so it, it's one of my favorite things to do, just spending time with her, like hanging out with Tyler, taking him skateboarding. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll just throw him in the car and we'll go to like Sonic and just mm. jam out to music. That's one of our favorite things to do. And it is a blast hanging out with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things too, like, and we'll kind of get on this in a second too, about just us and our dads, but I remember some of my favorite things doing with my parents were just doing the small little things. Like it didn't have to be Disney World. It didn't have to be this huge thing. It was just going to the park or just doing this stupid thing together. And so, you know, sometimes just because we have, you know, you do too, but like with two babies, we'll just take turns and try to, you know, you know, one day Aria will go out with me, but then the other day Aria will go out with mom and same thing with Jim and we'll just take turns and have their own little mini experiences together. And it's just, it's just a super, it's like, man, I know that if I want to be a good parent, I want to create as many small memories as I can. Like, just little things that add up over time. Yeah. And so it, and it makes me – it doesn't only make me feel good. I mean, it, as it should, that, that's a good thing. But it also makes me kind of just be reinforced of, like, you know what? I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing something that is going to benefit them emotionally, um, um, uh, spiritually, all these different things. And so, right. Um, yeah. You want them to have good stuff to say at your funeral, nothing yeah, nothing bad. 100%. Yeah. Okay, so um, this is probably the last thing, and it has like a few little caveats to it. Uh, millennial parents are more likely to struggle financially. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, a report by Young Invisibles uh, explains why millennial parents are having a harder time financially than previous generations. For one thing, a child care and education costs have increased to 18% of the total cost of raising a kid from just Two percent in nineteen sixty. So that's eighteen percent of your income, or eighteen percent growth. Eighteen percent of what it of the total cost of raising your kids. So if you equate diapers, if you equate, um, you know, you know, schooling for them, okay. all those things. So all that it takes to raise a child, all that money that goes towards raising your child, eighteen percent of that uh, has increased to for like what what did I just say uh, from 2%. Yeah. So, so like 2% of that cost was originally childcare and education. No. Now now it's 18%. 18% right. of whatever that cost was. So, so let's say $100 in 1960 could raise a kid. Yeah. $2 of that. Now it's like $1000 because cost of living has gone up. Yeah. And the cost of on top of that, education yeah. and stuff has gone up in percentage. Yeah. That is insane. So, so, and that's just that's just them as kids. That's them not even going to college, which that's a whole other conversation about college tuition and stuff. Yeah. And so, um, what's more, as Washington Post points out, the average eighteen to thirty four year old takes uh, today makes about two thousand dollars less than they would have in nineteen eighty, assuming so, that the money was equivalent. I think that's what it's saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you you put all that together and you go, it is becoming increasingly harder for us as parents to raise our kids 
uh, not because it's harder to be relational with them, but because we are now stressed out because we want to provide the best for them. But it's so much harder to do that now. It is so much harder just to provide the basics like education for them and, and to right. provide the best that we can. And so that's, you know, I, I always get, I'll just be honest, I get mad when I hear people talking about, like, oh, well, you know, back in my day, you know, why couldn't you guys just do this? You know, when we were dads, you know, we could have done this for you guys. And it's like, we, we were doing things with hands tied behind our back. You know, there, yeah. there's so many things that are now getting in the way of us becoming more effective parents. Like so not, not only do we want to do it better, but it's harder to do it at the same level right. they did it at anyway. Which in that, and I think I read that in another article, but that actually leads to more frustration, more stress on parents because we know what it takes now, or at least we have more information now to, you know, raise our kids in a good, healthy way. But we also know that sometimes it's harder to do it and it takes a lot of time to do it well. And so, Mm. yeah. So there's some quick stats I wanted to just throw at you guys. Some, some just, you know, back of your head while we talk about some of this other stuff. But let's let's talk something a bit more lightly. Let's talk let's talk about our kids. Let's talk about um you know who our kids are a little bit and um what we love about them, what we uh think are crazy about them. What is uh what do you like about your kids, Chris? All right. So, I have two. Um my my first one is Tyler. He is 17. Um he's actually my brother's son, but he lives with us. Yeah. Um so we got him in school. He's uh, high school now. He's a sophomore. No, he's a junior now. Yeah, he's a junior now. Wow. God, time flies. Time flies. Um, he's 17, and with that comes everything you would expect from teenagers. <laughs> Truthfully, though, he is a really good kid. Yeah. He's smart. Um, he's quick-witted. He's funny. Um, don't let him hear this podcast. <laughs> but he does, like, he's he's emotionally healthy. He's been through a whole lot as a kid, like, through his entire life. He's been through a lot, obviously. Yeah. But he has the emotional intelligence, in most cases, to handle that with so much more grace than I would have at his mm. age. And I am constantly amazed by him. Yeah. I'm so proud of him. That being said, <laughs> uh, sometimes his emotional intelligence kind of skips <laughs> a situation. That's, so, a, that's a good way of putting it. So he will... You know, he's a teenager. He gets emotional. He gets angry. He's frustrated. He doesn't know how to express himself entirely. Um, But back to the positives, when he does get on that train of thought, he always comes back afterwards and he's like, guys, I'm sorry. Mm. I didn't mean to blow up on you guys like that. I will do better in the future. And if it takes him a long time to get to that point, he almost always does. And I appreciate that about him so much. That's a smart kid. And that is definitely my wife raising him. <laughs> um, she she has done that to me she has done it to him and I hope she does it for my daughter yeah um, but the the time and effort we put into him is really showing yeah. and you know he he just amazes me every day yeah um, my daughter is a little over a year old now and she's just a joy to she is to spend time with she's <laughs> she is also hilarious yes she is um she's smart she's probably too smart for her own good <laughs> uh, she picks up things quick she learns super fast if she doesn't want to do something she's just not gonna do it mm-hmm. she's stubborn and strong-willed <laughs> and i love every little bit of her she is just like her mother <laughs> um so for instance like she absolutely can walk yeah i've seen her do it <laughs> But she refuses to walk because she's faster crawling. Yeah. She can get where she wants and do what she wants crawling. Right. 
when she gets to whatever table she's trying to reach, she just stands right up, grabs what she wants, drops back down. <laughs> and from what I've read, that's a sign of intelligence. Like, <laughs> But I'm worried when she does start walking, she's not actually going to walk. She's just going to sprint. Oh, there you go. Um, she, I, I can see that, yeah. yeah. No, she, <laughs> she loves learning new things. Like, we read together all the time. Uh, we have this book called Dada by Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah, I have that one. Same one. Uh, so, you know, the they make the animal noises and everything. Yeah. As I flip the pages, like, I can pick a random page, and she knows what the animal sound Aww. is. So she doesn't just, like, do them in order. Like, right. she knows by animal. Mm. And then if she sees that animal later on, she can do the noises as well outside of the context uh, of that book. Gotcha. Uh, so, like, I'm wearing a cat shirt today. And when she saw it this morning when she first woke up, she goes, meow. Aww, cat noise. yeah. Uh, so, she's she's just incredible to have. She's got, like, five different names. We call her Ellie, uh, Bean. Her middle name is Daisy Jean, so we yes. can pick any one of those. We make songs up out of it. <laughs> um, so, you know, she she's going to have a big personality when she yeah. grows up. And I'm really excited to see what she's going to be. Absolutely, man. I love your kids. They especially like, I mean, I love both of them. I, I love seeing too, cause just, I've known Tyler longer, obviously uh, just seeing to see where he is compared to anyone else that could be in his situation. It, yeah. It, it is, it is night and day. Like, you know, teenagers are teenagers. They're going to do their own thing sometimes, but to see how he, how he, well, for at least from what you guys tell me, how he responds to things and how he deals a lot with what he's done considering where he's been, it's truly a it, – it really is just inspiring. It's truly just kind of like this heartwarming thing to see, like, man, as much as he's been through, the kid is on the right path, and he's, yeah. he's a good kid. So full of compassion. Yeah, yeah. So full of emotional intelligence. Like, ah, love that kid. Yeah. So what about yours? Tell me about your two little baby – Womb nuggets. Womb nuggets. All right. So Arya is our first one. She is about to turn four in about a month or two. And Jim is oh, three. <laughs> no, no. Jim is two. He'll turn three this year. Right? Yes. Because he's a year older than. No, younger. No, he's a year older than Ellie. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, they're they're both incredible. Uh, so before we ever had kids, I I had an assumption, I had a guess, and I told Jessica this: like, you know what? If we end up having two kids and they're a boy and a girl, I I bet you that the girl is going to be just like me, and the boy is going to be just like you. And so to summarize a lot of uh, tons of experience, that has pretty much been it in a nutshell. Arya <laughs> is this super high energetic crazy little girl who loves to just get attention to uh, be uh, the center of attention in all the good ways. She is super just happy all the time and just loves to uh, be included with people. Like her favorite parts of the week are going to church and just being with friends. And she is super compassionate. And um, she, I I think she has this huge emotional um, just yeah, I don't know how to explain it. She just has so much emotional compassion for people, and she she loves to um, she loves to comfort Jim when he's upset. Like sometimes I'll be changing his diaper, and she'll come up and she'll he, if he's crying, she'll come up to him and give him a kiss on the head, or just like you know, uh-huh. kind of like they're there kind of thing. Yeah. It's like oh I've my seen gosh, that. It's yeah, adorable. And uh, so Arya is just a little you know firecracker, and and I'm I'm <laughs> I'm waiting to see as years go by just if this continues because if she is anything like I was. It's going to be a trip. Um, <laughs> uh, it's going to be something else. Um, and so 
but Arya's great. I love her. She's fantastic. And then Jim, um, he is just like his mom. He is, uh, he's a lot more reserved. He's a lot more to himself. He, uh, he is, I think, I think he's more, um, I feel like he hasn't talked yet really much, but I he he's trying to say words and he's trying to like he he will come up to you like let's say if he's thirsty he'll bring his cup up to you his cup up to you and he'll just push it in your face so he knows what he wants he knows <laughs> things but he just doesn't want to say it like it's kind of like with Ellie with uh just like not wanting to run around everywhere I think it's the same thing with Jim's like I feel like he does doesn't want yeah. to talk he can he knows what we're saying and he just like no nah, I'm good yeah I'm straight he doesn't yeah. feel the need to no he, no. he can determine what he wants and show you what he wants right. without having to say it. So yeah. why would he say it? Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so Jim is a lot more reserved. One of his favorite things is we have this little swing outside. Uh, it's kind of like one of those that you can just lay on uh, that's hanging on one of our trees. And he will literally just, if we let him, he would spend hours just laying on there. And he just loves to soak in just nature and just the environment around him. And so, um, yeah, I, I just love, I love the stark stark differences between the two and just seeing them be, and I'm really excited that they are so close. I think they're only was it nine months apart? Uh no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're only nine months apart. They're pretty close. I truly don't know. Maybe it's eighteen. It's close. They're close together. Sorry guys, all it's these either nine months or a year and a half. It's one, close. One of the two. <laughs> um and at first it was scary just for us as parents, but just seeing them I'm really excited that they're growing up together because one, they have two different personalities and I'm really excited to see them kind of go off one another and to be there for one another in the same way that Arya tries to comfort Jim and to, I'm just really excited to see that day di- that dynamic as they get older. And so that's going to be a blast to watch. It really is. I'm really excited. Dude, yeah. we have good kids. We definitely do. We have good kids. Like, I mean, especially we, me. <laughs> uh, we, we, I think we have been truly blessed and, um, benefited from and this guy's kind of what we're getting to next is we've really benefited from good parents and good parenting and good upbringing and or right. at least having an understanding of what parenting is and so not saying that we're perfect parents but I think we have also just been smart enough to be able to raise decent human beings I mean granted they're only babies right now but I mean Tyler's not but I was gonna say speak for yourself man <laughs> um, my kid's almost an adult it's true He's but he's a he's got little peach fuzz. Yeah, <laughs> he thinks he's big and bad. He's yeah. That's he, that's both my favorite and my least favorite thing he says. I'm almost eighteen. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for that. Yes, we have good kids, and I'm happy for it. I'm glad for it. Uh, but hey, let's move forward about fatherhood, about uh, what we think about um, our dads a little bit. So what characteristics, Chris, do you think of when you think of our dads and like their age group, like their generations, like the boomers? Um, yes. The immediate first thought is okay. Boomer. Okay. Boomer. You know how that goes. <laughs> um, no, like stereotypically you look at parents that age and based on TV and different things that we've seen, you think, you know, they're a little bit aloof when it comes to their kids. They're mm. more focused on work and, uh, they don't really know their children too well. They they're just kind of vaguely aware of yeah. That's the surface level house. stuff. Um, specifically, like our dads, I, I know are both very different from that stereotype. Right. So it's kind of weird to to have to compare the two. Yeah. Um, like when I think of boomers, I don't typically think of my dad. Yeah. But at the same time, he is like prime boomer age. So I don't know. There's, like, some characteristics, like, you go, yep, that's definitely my dad. You know, you think of the stereotypical dad and, like, how they dress and, like, their socks and Oh, the, yeah, like all, the, the 
mid-calf socks right. and the white but grass-stained New Balances <laughs> right. cargo shorts. That was my dad to a T. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Same here. And so you think of some of those things, but I think, you know, obviously, you know, like we're talking about today, not everyone is a, is a stat. Not everyone is everything that most stats show, but there are these general – um, uh, things that kind of carry over. So I agree with you. Like my dad too, he was not uh, super closed off to us. He was not, you know, a, a bad father by any stretch of the means. Um, and not saying that most Gen Boomers are or that Gen X Boomers are as well, but there there is that stereotype of, you know, they were a little bit more, you know, to themselves. I mean, even that stat we talked about earlier with them not changing diapers. Right. That's a pretty big, heavy stat and pretty heavy. At least at least they're not as involved. And so. Right. Now, uh, another thing, though, is like you hear 40 percent have never changed a diaper and you're like, oh, my God, that's so much. But that's still like 60 percent. True. Have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 60 yeah. percent are involved. That's also a big number. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. That's, I guess when you hear statistics like that, you kind of like over exaggerate it in your mind yeah, like yeah. oh that's all of them like forty percent right. of boomers that's every boomer yeah but it's it's really not like that no no and I think too the same way that older generations can characterize us millennials I think you can go the other way around oh for sure I, I think a lot of times we it just becomes we make enemies out of, out of each other and we don't have to you know we 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 go oh well, all these boomers they all think the same way they're all this super white old men and obviously they're not all just white old men and yeah, so because like where did the rest of the <laughs> young colored millennials come from right <laughs> right like my dad was definitely not an old white man <laughs> right <laughs> um but no i mean but even to just give respect to the, some of the older generations i mean these guys are the ones who pioneered a lot of the things that we take for granted today i mean technology these are the guys who made all this stuff. Right. You know, they're the guys who put men on the moon. They're the guys who created the iPhone. They're the men who created all this stuff. And so um, – Even if they don't know how to use it. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so let's, let's briefly talk about this then. I mean we're kind of brushed on it a little bit. But what was your dad like? Like kind of, you know, just a short description of who was your dad like? How would you kind of characterize him in, a, you know, like a nutshell? Okay, so in a nutshell, my dad would probably be like, help, I'm stuck in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> no. So my dad taught me jokes like that. Um, he was he was in the army, you know. So when you're in the military, that becomes part of your personality. That's kind of how he raised me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but not in like an abusive, like drop and give me fifty kind of way. Mm. It was just you know he raised me to be a leader the way he was taught to be a leader. Right. He raised me to make decisions that you know can impact everyone around me in the best way possible. Yeah. Um. He was always loving, always caring. Super supportive. Um, he wasn't always physically there, but I never felt like I didn't have a dad because mm. he was deployed or something like right. that. So that's my dad in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and that's where we definitely differ. My dad wasn't military, um, you know, but the the flip side was my dad was a pastor. And so – and definitely during his generation of pastors, they were very much – you know, I say this all lovingly, but the, it, it felt like a lot of times they were married to the ministry. Yeah. And there were times where, um, and I, I'm not saying this in a negative context. I'm saying this in the sense of my dad gave so much and worked so hard to to be there for people and to love people. And so I say that because my dad loved us tremendously, and he cared for us, and he really gave a lot to us. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and that and that trickled down into our family lives, like from the ministry, and and it just he really brought us up into what church could look like and what it should look like. And so for any for anyone who knows my dad through ministry, they just really do see. 
the loving side that he truly is. You know, like what you see when when he's out preaching, when he's doing his ministry, is kind of how he is at home. Yeah, I mean, there's differences, obviously, but like that is how he is caring and you know, uh, compassion towards people. And so, you know, same thing. There were times where I felt like he wasn't always physically there, but I always knew that he loved us and he worked extremely hard for us. And you know, there right. were times where, you know, we weren't always, um, we didn't have great economic stability and during those times he worked extra jobs and just cared you know he he did what it took to take care of the family so so it uh, sounds like our dads are probably sitting somewhere in that 60 percent yeah oh yeah because of that i know like with your dad and my dad our other friends that hung out with us at our houses that didn't have that positive male role model Mm, saw that right they decided they wanted to be like that yeah yeah like i have friends today that still call my dad their dad yeah yeah i have friends that are like hey how's your dad doing and I haven't talked to them in like a month, and right. they're just like, "Oh, I'm more concerned about our dad." Together. Like, <laughs> yeah, bro, this isn't your dad; it's my dad. Um, yeah. But like that kind of positive male role model from our fathers helped shape the 97 percent in our generation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's crazy how that kind of stuff can be passed down and passed, uh, whether it's intentional or not. Yeah, because like, like I said, my dad was military. I didn't join the military, obviously, right. but I still took on those uh, characteristics that he wanted to instill in me that his military training mm. helped me develop in the things that I do. Yeah. Because like now, regardless of what my job is, I want to be the best at it. Yeah. I want to train other people to be just as good as I am, and I want to bring people with me and make sure that they're successful as well. Yeah, yeah. Those are the kinds of things that I picked up from him. Yeah, yeah, and the same, you know, same kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of – there's so many things that – I mean, it would have to be a whole other episode, but there's so many things that I've learned from my dad on how to be relational and how to, and that same mentality too. I think that was a generational thing from our dads of just working hard and really, you know, pulling up your sleeves, doing what you have to do for your family. Um, And that's something I definitely cherish because that's something I want to use in my everyday life with my family. And so, um, yeah, a lot of great things from our dads. You know, obviously, like we said before, they're not perfect. No one is, right. you know, we, there are things that we can look back at and nitpick and try to go, well, you know, I wouldn't do it that way. But, you know, you know, you know I've seen so much, so much research that says it doesn't matter how perfectly you think you're going to raise your kids. You're going to do some kind of oh, emotional you're going damage. To screw up. <laughs> you're going to do something. Yeah. It doesn't matter how great and wonderful you are as a parent. There's going to be something that your kid remembers that is just, you know, like, Oh, I remember my dad did this to me and you may not even know it. And so, Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that definitely doesn't, um, overtake just, I think how good of dads we had. And so, um, yeah. Anything else to add to that? Uh, no, I think I'm good on that one, but, um, ro- rolling from that. Yeah. What are some things that you didn't learn from your parents that you're learning in parenthood now? Uh, yeah. Did not learn. Um, Man, that's a really hard one. I'm I'm really trying to like I mean like there's some simple like little things like I didn't realize like a newborn baby pooped out black tar. Oh know? yeah. No, that was terrifying. <laughs> Nobody ever tells you that. No stuff. one ever tells you that. No. <laughs> no. Uh like one of the things that caught me off guard was when Ellie was first born, there was like some red in her diaper. Oh yeah. And I thought it was blood. <laughs> um had my wife not already known that, I would have freaked out and rushed my baby to the hospital. <laughs> right. And I don't even know if I would have strapped her in. I would have just driven the whole way with her in my arms, like crying. <laughs> no ambulance or anything. I just fix my baby. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of like big themes, and there's not too much out there that I, you know, there might be a lot of specific little things that I don't think of, but I think most of what they taught me was through general example. 
if that makes sense. And so yeah. th- there wasn't too much that really, um, just me being a parent that has like totally caught me off guard. I think one of the things that, you know, you can't really teach anyone is just how much fun and how much you can love just being with your kid. Oh, for sure. Like you, you can't for really, sure. you can't really explain that. So it's like, I feel like as a parent, even now, like it's, it's not really worth my time trying to explain that to a new parent. Cause it's like, you're just have to experience that for yourself. Like yeah. it, it's going to be a genuine piece of, you know, uh, discovery that you're going to have that like, wow, I can have so much fun with my child. Even when I didn't even expect, even like a newborn kid when they're just, you know, you know, just, you know, yeah. People always tell nothing. you, you know, having kids is like the greatest joy of your life, but they never tell you why. Yeah. Yeah. It's because you can like throw these little things around and catch them and they just laugh. And right. They have a blast doing like the smallest, <laughs> simplest things, like all those little dumb things that entertain you, but you don't let your friends know they're entertaining yeah. to you. Well, give your baby the time of their life. Right. Um, now all of that to say, I'm not trying to pressure anybody into having kids. If you don't want kids, that's <laughs> definitely on you. You've Please don't rush into that podcast. Uh, <laughs> but it is one of the coolest things in the world. Just seeing like all the little things that bring you joy. Like right. I got my daughter, uh, one of my lightsabers out of storage, like one of the plastic $6 ones from Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. She has a blast <laughs> playing with that little purple lightsaber. Yeah. And I just, I got mine from crimsondawn.com. Yeah. Boop, boop. Um, and we had a little lightsaber battle the other day. She's one, so she's literally just holding the lightsaber up. But you were having a duel with her. I would tap her lightsaber, and she would just laugh and laugh and laugh. Yeah. And it was the sweetest thing. That Those are the things they don't tell you about. Right, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some maybe the challenges that we have kind of started to already uh, deal with and maybe some of the things that – uh, we are dealing with things that we both know from past generations and don't know and things that we are kind of just, especially as millennial father, what kind of things, because being millennial fathers, there are some things that past generations did not have to experience and did not have to, right. um, they just didn't have at their hands. And one of those biggest things is technology, or at least not to the degree that we have it today. Right, yeah. And so, like for me, one of the challenges that I am trying to you know, tackle right now. One of the lines that I'm trying to find is how much technology do I give to my kids? Because screen time, right? Ugh. because because I'm not going to be so extreme on you know one side or the other. I'm not going to go okay. Technology is from the devil, and that you know you should never be on it, and that it just you know mushes your brain, or that you know video games will turn you violent. But on the other hand, I do believe there is a there is an unhealthy side to screen time, and there is a there can be an addiction level to things like your phones and you know movies and TVs and all that. And so you know with Aria, she has this little tablet that she has. One of the things that we're trying to figure out is just how much time are we going to allow her to be on there, and also what kind of stuff is she, you know, doing on there. So, like, we have right. apps that we picked out that are more educational. They help her learn. Like the other day, we discovered that she knows how to like kind of tell time, but not just like on one of those digital clocks, but like a real, you know, analog. The, the analog clock. Yeah. Like I brought a clock home from work the other day, and she was like telling me the times on there. I was like, "Kid, where did this come from?" And sure enough, it's from her little iPad and on That's app, cool. and so. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things that I'm trying to figure out is just how do we find that middle ground of, you know, how much time do we let them watch TV? How much time do we let them get on a tablet? How much time do we as a family even watch movies and shows yeah. and stuff? And so That's one of the harder things for my family, though, because, uh, like, Tyler's in high school right now, and all of his classes are online due to the pandemic. Yeah, uh, We decided to keep him home just for safety because there are two-plus immunocompromised people in our family. Yeah. Um. All of his stuff is online, so he spends all day on his computer for school mm. or on his phone for social stuff or on his video games to relax. Yeah. And it's hard to, like, 
you want to limit that, but at the same time, in our world right now, you can't really. Yeah, yeah. Because he has to do all his stuff online. Right. So, you know, every now and then we're just like, all right, Tyler, drop everything. You're coming outside with us. We're going on a walk. We're going to sit in the backyard. We're going to the park, something. Yeah. And, you know, he's a kid, so every time we, <laughs> we say that, he's like, oh, I don't want to go. Do I have to go? Can I just stay here? I just want to <laughs> relax. But every time we get outside and we go do something, by the end of it, he's like, yeah, I'm glad I did that. Right, yeah. Almost every single time that happens. Even with us, like, if we take the time just to get outside and be in the backyard and hang out, it's always, like, this sense of, I don't know, kind of just being one with God's creation, I guess, or you know, however you want to look at it. Dude, but humans are just houseplants with yeah. more intricate emotion. Yeah. That's basically it. You need to stay hydrated. You need to get some sunlight. <laughs> you need some fresh air. That's it. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about another one, one of the challenges I think we definitely face as millennial fathers, and that is the challenge of purity culture. Ooh. So l- let, me, uh, let me kind of put some definition here because – I do believe there is an importance on sex, and there is, I do believe, damaging um, mindsets about sexuality that does definitely exist. Right. Um, there, there, you know, I do not believe that it's healthy nor safe nor spiritual or spiritually healthy to just go around and doing whatever. However, there's also, on the flip side, with purity culture like we grew up in, there's an extreme danger to, 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 there's the danger of implying shame and and to have guilt that your body did something wrong or that you are no longer worthy or that you are no longer yeah. um, valuable because you had sex. And I believe that's utter trash. <laughs> yeah, for sure it is. There's, there's so much negativity and shame placed in purity culture and specifically on women. Absolutely. Um, young girls – as they're growing up, are told all the time, you know, if you have sex, nobody else is going to want to have sex with you again. Yeah. Um, like implying that the first person they have sex with is definitely going to leave them if they're not married. Ugh. And then after that, they're just trash. Right. And there's nothing they can do about it and no redemption to it. They screwed their whole lives up. Whether they have kids, get an STD, doesn't matter. That's never the focus. Yeah. It's just the fact that they had sex with someone. Right. Yep. And all of that shame is placed on these girls, and then the young boys growing up are just told, hey, don't have sex, it's bad. Right, yeah, yeah. No yeah. consequence. Yeah. There, there's nothing to it. Like, if they don't want to be fathers, they can just leave. If they get an STD, it can be treated. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But, I don't know. It, The culture itself is extremely toxic. Yeah. And, and, and to, to be clear here, because I can hear the comments already, I can hear people's minds running right now. Like, well, I didn't hear that. I remember, you know, hearing about guys doing that. And yes. yes, you did. Well, <laughs> even if you didn't, here's the problem is that that's why conversations and even church is so important because that's where we come together and share different experiences. Obviously, a lot of females have shared their experience through purity culture and said that, no, I felt like I was personally as a woman um, – shamed and and felt disgusted and and so you know to me as a guy i need to listen to that because to me a lot of the times it didn't i didn't feel any kind of i mean there were some moments where i was like okay maybe i don't feel good about this but most of the time i was like all right cool don't have sex but i mean you know still battling through all that but i definitely did not feel that level of shame that i've heard from so many women right so um yeah that's one of the biggest things for my wife and i like looking at churches and Uh, different pastors and all the things like that. Um, Some of the things that we look for in a good church is how do they treat purity culture? How do they treat purity in and of itself? Because beyond just sex, 
purity isn't something that most churches talk about. Right. Even though it affects every aspect of your life. You know, you can be pure in the foods you eat. You can be pure in oh, the yeah. movies you watch and the books you read and the friendships you have. Right. It doesn't matter. If your entire focus is on girls and boys not having sex before they're married, you're missing out on the point of yes. purity 100%. when it comes to biblical purity. They, they definitely escalated that that aspect of it. And, you know, whether you agree with that, whether you agree that having sex before marriage is right or, right or wrong, I think we could all agree that the church has definitely missed the other aspects behind sex. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the whole abstinence, um, um, you know, rollout and the, the implications behind that, I, I think it, it, it not only misses the whole point, but I think it doesn't help. Like, and I don't mean that in the sense of like, you know, I'm on the left. And I think it's horrible and wrong and everything. But I'm saying like, no, but like, like stats show it yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, abstinence <laughs> it, only, sex ed doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, um, it, and and the, if it doesn't work, then we need to change our methods. So even something if something has to change, right? Even if your mindset behind that isn't, you know, it doesn't change. Let's look at real world stats and evidence to go. Okay, but does this actually physically help people have healthier sexual lives? Yeah, like what is causing the biggest net good? Right, that's what we need to be focused right. on as a church, as the body of Christ, as human beings in general, whether you're religious or not. Yeah, the net good is what we need to be focusing yep. on. Yeah, and 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 to add to this, one last thing. One of the things that I know that you and I have talked about before, but um, when it comes to purity culture, is just. Um, I'm going to make sure when it comes to my daughter that she does not feel pressure to have to dress a certain way to, to you know, to um, avoid temptation for boys. Yeah. Because that just truly takes me off. Yeah, for sure. That's another <laughs> one of those things that starts early, too. Uh, yeah. Like with Ellie, she, um, I'll pick her up and take her to her closet and let her pick out her own clothes. Mm, fun. She's an infant. She doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> but I am secretly training her to be independent, to yeah. stand up for what she wants, yes. to fight for what she wants. Come on. And to not care what anybody says. As long as it like doesn't make me look like a bad father, I'll let her wear whatever she picks out. <laughs> right. So right. like if it's like winter and she wants to wear a romper, obviously right. not. Yeah. You know, she's got to wear pants and a jacket <laughs> and all that. Uh, but she gets to pick out her clothes, and she has a blast every morning doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, let's move on. Um, this next one is something that we kind of briefly talked about just through the stats, but uh, that's the work and family balance. So on this topic, um, I've had multiple jobs since becoming a father, and each job it has become increasingly important for me to be able to find the work-family balance. Yeah. Like obviously I've got to work, I've got to make money, but – like the statistics show for me, family is number one. Yeah, yeah. Like I will drop anything I'm doing to be with my family if they need me. Yeah. If I'm in the middle of a job, it's the most important business meeting I've ever had. I'm working to get security for the White House. Right. I, I don't care. I'll yeah. drop it right then and there <laughs> and be with my family if something happens. Um, that being said, obviously, you know, we do have to work. We have to make money. We have to pay bills. So it was important to me to find a job that I could do both. And that's just made it really easy for me personally. Yeah. Um, now, that's a difficult thing to do in most cases. Though. Right. Like, not everybody has that opportunity. Yeah. Not everybody can find a job like that. Not everybody that finds a job like that keeps a job like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's one of those things, like, you got to figure it out for yourself where your balance lies. Yeah. Um, like, if you can spend more time with or if your family's cool with you spending less time with them to make more money so that you can afford right. rent or whatever have you. 
those are things that you've got to figure out on your own. For me personally, I think I've done a pretty good job with that. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's equally as important to me. That's one of the things, even through ministry, I've really just tried to imply to my bosses, whoever it was like, look, I want to be here for this ministry. I want to do whatever it takes for these kids, but my kids matter more to me. <laughs> uh, you know, I love these guys yeah. and they're important, but uh, you're not supposed to pick favorites, but this is your flesh and blood. Right. Man. Right. Um, but even then, it, it, as a culture, and this is where I get a little um, irritated because if we, as especially as Christians, if we want to see a culture where fathers are in the house and that we want to um, see fathers there for their kids, then we are sometimes going to have to do things on a government level to actually do that. So I saw a stat the other day. Um, well, it's not an exact stat. It was a statement that the U.S. is the only high-income country in the world who doesn't have guaranteed paid leave, uh, maternity or, or paternity leave. Right. That says a lot. because, And the reason why this is so important, because like you were talking about just a few seconds ago, is it, some people don't have that opportunity to spend time with their kids. Yeah. They do not have the, the – they have the right, but they don't have the economic, economic – um, stability or income to be able to do that. And so if we as a country and as a Christian church, if we truly care about, you know, households, then we should be at least trying to have the conversation about, okay, what can we do as a community, the United States and our people do to help ensure that? Yeah. Um, it's just something I've been really bit more passionate about is, yeah. you know, most, most people in this country work hourly jobs. They don't make salary. They don't have guaranteed right. income where they can take time off. So you don't work, you don't get paid. Yeah. When Ellie was born, I took a week off of work, and obviously I didn't get paid Yeah. because I wasn't making sales. But I had that backup, like I had money in savings that I could take that time yeah. because of the style of work that I do. It just worked out for me. Right. Most people don't have that opportunity. No, no, and there are other countries out there, first world countries out there, that everybody always talks about, oh, well, this country – allows open carry for all of their guns. Okay, but that country also allows three months maternity. <laughs> they also guarantee three weeks of paid vacation yeah. for any job level. Right. They have a very high bottom line of where their poverty starts, and their poverty is like our middle class. Yeah, yeah. It's insane that people can pull that one thing that they like from that culture but ignore the universal health care. Right. Well, and, and that's, and I don't want to get too political here, but it doesn't have to be that. It does not have to be so political. It really can't just be as simple as, okay, what can work best for our country? Where do we want to put the money where our mouth is? Where do we really want to focus? Do we really want um, households to be together? Do we really want uh, you know equal opportunity? Do we really want these things? Then we actually have to stand up and actually enforce laws and policies that show that. And so... Okay, I'm going to get off my rant because I can definitely keep going on this because I'm just... No, understandable. The The last thing I do want to say, though, is things like um, guaranteed income and universal health care. I follow a woman on TikTok that is a history major for American history, but she is a German citizen. Like, she lives in Germany. Yeah, she yeah. just has a degree in American history. It's one of those things you can study there. And what she said is that in Germany, their far right and oh, their yeah. far left don't even debate healthcare. <laughs> it's just accepted as a thing. It's yeah. not even a question. Yeah. So what they're debating on is like how long should maternity leave be? Yeah. How much should we give these people as a government thing? Not whether or not we should 
guarantee lives. Right. Yeah. And and what sucks is that we we as as a thing is so um unique in the United States especially. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other countries, but especially in the US is that we turn everything into a political issue and that automatically you have to side with one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And so the, the reason why I'm saying this is because I don't want anyone listening to this to assume that, hey, that means we side with everything on the left. Um, but it does mean that, look, if we want change in our country, if we want change in our homes and in our households, and if we want um, you know, families to be united and to have a likelier chance of staying together, then there might be some things that we have to at least have conversations about. It's got to start somewhere. And Yeah, and it doesn't mean you have to change everything about what you believe, but just let's let's begin to work together. Well... Fatherhood. Fatherhood. <laughs> Guys, I think, I mean, that's pretty much what we can fit into our time slot that we usually fit in. Obviously, there's always more conversations that we can have about fatherhood. Ah, I see what you did there. I see what I did. And uh, we, we love these kind of conversations because it does entice us to change. and doesn't It does in, uh, give us hope to... You know, to to speak better about fathers and to and to really hope and pray and to work and to vote for things that we believe in when it comes to fatherhood and, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but just following the upward trend, man. Looking at the positive side That's of right. it. That's right. That's right. That's what I like about this uh, topic. Obviously, you know, we point out some of the things that are wrong with fatherhood, but it also shows us the ability to point out some of the things that are right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have about millennial fatherhood. I hope you enjoyed. Don't go anywhere. Uh, the most important parts of our podcast, the, the things you guys are really here for, are coming up next. So we'll be right back with you. And we're back. Hey, guys. All right, guys. We're going to continue this episode. We're going to wrap all this up. We've got some listener questions, Chris. All right. So this is from our section, Ask Chris and Tim. Yes. Question number one comes from Fernando Ramirez. Yes. He says, what's your favorite Jedi and Sith Lord? Um, for me, I think we've answered already the Jedis before. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi as a Jedi. And right. then, I mean, Sith Lord, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader. Ooh. I mean, I just, I mean, there's other ones that I really like, but I really truly know Darth Vader the best. And so I just, you know. I agree. I, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's easy to love him. You got, yeah. what, six different movies about him? I mean, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, favorite Jedi, definitely Ahsoka Tano. Um, favorite Sith Lord, one you don't hear about unless you're, like, really into Star Wars, Darth Raven. Oh, yes. I would love Oh, I would. I really love hope to see they tackle his him. story yes. in, in the higher public. Yes. We'll, we'll see. I hope I'm, that's the one I'm hoping for. I know. We um, need it. But, you know, he went from dark side to light side to dark side to light side, just back and forth, mm-hmm. couldn't figure it out. Truly the definition of a gray Jedi, I think. Absolutely. But he was absolutely a Sith Lord at one point. Yep, that's a good one, man. I dig. All right. Next question comes from Jessica Hayes. Hazer. She was actually my mom when I was in college. Not like my actual mom, but like my, my college mom, I guess. Huh. Yeah, she's a real cool person. Cool, cool, cool people? Real cool people. Nice. All right, uh, she asks, what animal do you think you could take in a fight? Okay, so I think we have to approach this at starting from the bottom and just keep going up and up until because I mean because there's a lot of animals we could take. Oh, 100%. like like an ant pile, no no big deal. It depends on the ant pile, man. I mean, because if, if got, they're like the ones from Indiana Jones, there's no way. That's a good point. Okay, so, so like I could definitely take an earthworm. Yeah. Okay. Moving up from there, uh, I could take a mouse. Um, I could probably take a squirrel. Yeah. Um, I could take a rabbit. I think I could. 
almost certainly handle a large bird without flight. So like a chicken. Okay. I, I think I could take a like a like maybe a duck. I think I could take a crow. For sure I could take a crow. Crows aren't I mean they're big, big, but I mean you they're grab it and you got it. Yeah, exactly. Um let's see. I could probably take a dog. It, it, depending on the dog. Dude, uh, yeah, unless it's one of those Russian bear dogs that yeah, for I mean sure. I think I think a I dog would just die. I mean, have you seen how big those things are? They're huge. They're bred to fight bears. <laughs> I am not a bear. <laughs> uh, okay, so that, I mean, is that our line? Like the Russian bear dog? <laughs> I don't know, though, because, like, I think I could take a zebra. No, like those things are huge. Yeah, but they're not built for fighting. They're built for running. Yeah, but those things survive lion attacks. Barely. I don't know. I think you, I think you might be overreaching you your think, capabilities you there a little bit. You think I'm overestimating? <laughs> It's not. It's not that you couldn't. All right, maybe not a zebra. How about a gazelle? I think there maybe. Like maybe if I were those smaller fight, ones. If I were to fight a gazelle, not like try to track one down and hunt it and catch it and like chase like, after. Like, it, like if the if the gazelle decided fight. to also attack you. Oh, I don't know. I think that's see, really see, that's, that's what I'm saying here. Like even if it wasn't like you trying to chase it, like if it decided to go okay, with so you in a fight. Are these animals fighting back then, or is it like a surprise attack? I mean, the question I could take was, a lot of animals surprise. I mean, the question was taken in in a fight, so I'm assuming these things are trying to get back at you. Okay, so maybe we'll cut it back then. then. Um, <laughs> to the bear dog? <laughs> no, definitely not a bear dog. Um, I mean, like I, I think I could take a dolphin. In the water? Not in the water, but like. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not in the water. It's not on land, but I think on land would be the fairest because we both breathe air. I don't know like, about I that. I can't hold my breath for five hours. <laughs> How am I going to fight a dolphin in the water? I, I, exactly. I don't think you can actually. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting question. It is. Um, I, I, I think. Yeah, probably dog. Like medium to right. large dog would be my limit. Because anything else above that, like even a bobcat, is like I mean those things got some nasty claws. So a I think I mean cougar got you. <laughs> got straight up mauled by a cougar. Um, yeah, I think I mean honestly, like large dogs probably be the line for most humans. Now, is it just like a fist fight, or do I get a knife? Like, oh, that's true. What's the deal? Because if I get a knife, I could take a lot more animals. That's true. I, I give you gazelle if you can do if you got a knife. I think I could take a cougar if I had a knife. It'd be a nasty fight, but I think you're right. I think I would. Yeah, you it, might you might have to have some good stitches clean. afterwards, but yeah. yeah, for sure, it wouldn't be clean. But I think I could win. Okay, I'll give you that. I think with a knife, cougar. Yeah, without a knife, large dog. Yeah, I think that that I think that's our consensus. I like that. All right, <laughs> I think you're on about the same level too. So thank you for that question, Jessica. That's truly brought Thanks, up some. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so we have another question from the Not Perfect Pod, another podcast out there. Uh, really like you guys. Um, thank you for this question. What is your favorite uh, and or punniest dad joke? We talked about this before we started recording. I'm not good when it comes to jokes, like off the top of my head. Um, I, I, I mean, I think of all the stereotypical jokes that you know most people do, like just the normal punny stuff. And we're good at puns once we kind of get like a roll going on, but yeah. I'm not very good at this, so I don't. I don't really know. Like, 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 like the the high hungry. I'm dad. Yeah, right. Those. I, maybe I'm just not dad enough yet, but I'm just never been like. I think it just comes out of us. It's not like something we plan <laughs> or like we know. Like on the spot, if you ask me about a joke, I have nothing. Yeah. But when you're talking to me, it just comes out, and it's like <laughs> the punniest thing. I think my favorite one, though, uh, we talked about before this, was the one from Pirates of the Caribbean oh, 5, man. I think. 
uh, where Jack is talking to his uncle, and his uncle's like, hey, have you heard the one about the skeleton? Walks into a bar, orders a beer and a mop. <laughs> that joke in and of itself isn't funny, but the funniness from that scene comes from like some guy down the hall in the jail cell they were in just, <laughs> like one random guy in the background laughs at it, and that's what got me from that. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I think the best dad jokes aren't even the jokes. It's the apparel. I mean, we haven't talked about that at all in this podcast, which is crazy. But just, just the 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 stereotypical nineteen eighties Nike, you know, shoes. The oh yeah, the white shoes, the, the shorts, the high socks. Yeah, the, the dad hat, the dad hat, which is an actual style of hat you can buy now. Yeah, I got dad a couple. Hat. It's crazy. I have a few of them. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. Is that all the questions, man? Um, I think that is all of them. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So please send your questions in. Uh, send them on social media. You can email us at alwaysmorepod at gmail.com. Just let us know what you guys have. Uh, they can be fun. They can be serious. Doesn't matter. Send us your questions. Yeah. And thanks, you guys, for putting out your questions. We love them, and we appreciate them. All right. Next up, we have a quick, short segment that I absolutely love and adore. It is time for Shower Thoughts with Chris. Theoretically, lobsters are immortal. So technically, a pet lobster, if taken care of properly, could be passed down for generations. That is freaking amazing, because aren't jellyfish the same way? Oh, I don't know. Something about the sea, man. It, I couldn't tell you what it is. I know there's like some type of protein that like zips and unzips DNA. Yeah. And as humans get older, that protein starts to lessen in our lives. Right. But lobsters never lose that protein, so... As long as they can physically grow, they will live forever. I just can imagine like like a family just keeping a lobster that's been around since like the you know the seventeenth century. It's like you know our our great 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 grandfather had this lobster. And I'm passing it on down to you now, and, just... and it's just this giant lobster. Like at that point, it'd have to be the size of a car because <laughs> they keep growing. That's like, my name. <laughs> the the way they die is like they can't shed their shell anymore, right. and they just crush themselves inside their own shell, which is really sad. We should we should make that a thing. We we should we should go out the family lobsters, right? We 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 should like even like a community lobster, like yeah. it is the lobster, like you the see, community takes care of. You see the lobster of. getting slow and old, right? And like you just go help it out of its shell. That yeah. way, it can molt and it can get a new shell growing, <laughs> and and we'll see how big the biggest lobster in the world can be when it's a thousand years old. Let's do it. Come I'm, on, world. I'm Let's do it, it together. Let's this l- is something we have to collaborate on. <laughs> but I think as a society, we can do this. We can do it, guys. Let's do this together. Let's raise a lobster for generations. <laughs> oh, man. All right, brother. Let's let's hear your final thoughts. What are we thinking about millennial fatherhood? Dude, this is and this that's the thing about these podcasts. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours about these kind of conversations. You and I, we love just talking about life in general. And so... When it comes to millennial fatherhood, number first and foremost, no one knows everything. No one knows it all. There is no perfect 100% way to raise a kid. My wife knows it all. Okay, I'll give you, sure, I'll give it to the moms. Um, however, it's just, there's so much, there's so many variables. There's so many different situations, right. just depending on the person, depending on the family, depending on where the family is, there's so many different things. And so ultimately, what I hope to see is, I hope to see, well, let me say this. I am super um, uh, inspired and uh, enlightened by some of those stats that we saw. Like, we see that there was a positive trend with younger fathers wanting to spend more time with their kids. Yeah. And you can't go wrong with that. You yeah. can't go wrong with, you know, parents wanting to be there with their kids. 
So I have that hope. I have that um, positivity. And I hope that this is something that we as all generations can, you know, inspire each other, to push each other to be better parents and to look at some of these other stats and these other things that are holding us back and to go, okay, how can we change this? How can we make it as most likely as possible to be there for one another and to encourage fathers to do the best that they absolutely can? So yeah, overall, sure. I have hope. I have um, I have a, a, uh, a positive look as to where we can go regarding – millennial fathers right um i think you know looking at those statistics one of my final thoughts would be obviously we've got some work to do as a country for like the finances and all of that stuff going on uh the financial inequality but like you were saying the positive trend of parents wanting to spend more time together with their kids is something to focus on and if we can fix those other issues then the whole problem that the older generation has with younger kids just disappears. Right. Because we're going to be raising better children. We're going to be better parents. And the other issues are going to be solving themselves at that right. point in time. Yeah. Um, I do think as parents, it is our duty um, and our pleasure, honestly, to be able to teach our kids certain things. Mm. Some of the biggest things that you know, I want to teach my kids is how to stand up for themselves, how oh, to be yeah. emotionally responsible, how to respect other people, um, being independent, all kinds of stuff like that. Is there anything that you would? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you summarize a lot of it, but just being gentle, being respectful towards one another, respecting boundaries, um, you know, th- there's so many like obvious ones that we could probably list off, but you know, one of the biggest things that I try to teach my kids and try to teach myself is that I don't know it all and that's okay. Yeah. And that if we can learn to be patient with one another and to, um, to learn with ourselves, be patient with ourselves. Yeah. And to learn from one another and to have mutual respect for each other's, um, intelligence and and emotional, uh, being, then I think, I think most of it can kind of, you know, just kind of fall from that. And so, yeah, just being, just don't be a jerk. <laughs> That's really it. <laughs> just, just don't be a jerk. sums up everything I want to teach my kids. Don't right. be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Yes. Uh, probably going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the Always More podcast. Um, yes. Send us your thoughts. Connect with us. Follow us. Like us. Rate us. Send us to your friends, your family, your grandmother, whoever you want to <laughs> tell about us. Make sure that they know about the Always More podcast and help us grow our audience. Right. Because we do this for you. We do it for you. Also for us, but mostly for <laughs> you. Guys, we love it when you guys interact with us on social media, email, whatever it is that you prefer. Uh, so make sure you do all those things that Chris said. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right. All right, we'll guys. See you guys next time. See you. Thank you for listening to the Always More podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, share, like, and rate on whatever your platform of preference is. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at AlwaysMorePod and ask your question using hashtag AskChrisAndTim. If you'd like to support the podcast and feed into Chris and Tim's caffeine addiction, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash AlwaysMorePod. For further information and to contact Chris or Tim, you can email them at alwaysmorepodcast at gmail.com.